0: There are a number of ways that people's lives outside of work benefit them. Aside from the general enrichment, one of them is this idea of recovery.
1: Welcome to There's a Better Way. Each episode, Dr. Arvind chandra professor and academic director, will sit down with a prominent expert or faculty leader to discuss how business principles can provide solutions to problems we may face in our professional and personal lives. This program is brought to you by Fisher Executive Education. Welcome to There's a Better Way. I'm here with uh, Dr. Tracy Dumas, Associate Professor of uh, Management and Human Resources at The Ohio State University. Welcome to the program, Tracy.
0: Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here.
1: So, Tracy, uh, for our listeners out here, can you uh, give an overview of like uh, what kind of research and, and teaching you do at Fisher?
0: Yeah, so um I'll start with the the teaching. That's probably the shortest answer. So I teach the negotiations course to MBA students. I've also taught a managing teams course. So I I haven't taught that recently, but but broadly my teaching is in the area of organizational behavior, which of course addresses the behavior, the motivation, the cognition, Uh, The interaction of people working in an organizational context. So, so everything that I've taught either that I'm teaching currently or have taught before is in the area of organizational behavior. And my research. So in my research. I'm very interested in the connection between people's work experiences and their lives outside of work. So When I say lives outside of work, this could include the roles that people hold. So you're a parent or you're a volunteer or you play in a band outside of work. So so I'm interested in how those roles interface with your work role, but then also identities that people hold outside of work that are not necessarily roles. So it could be your gender or your nationality, your ethnic identity or your religious affiliation. And so I'm very interested in how people manage the boundary between these roles and identities in their work experiences and how they shape what's happening for people at work.
1: And, and that's very interesting. And that's going to be our topic for today is uh, this relationship between um, uh, you as a personality outside work and how that actually affects uh, your work performance and productivity at work. And we've all, we've all heard people say work-life balance. Yes. And people have used those terms one way or the other. But tell us more about what your research talks about in terms of um, how to have, how to extract as an employee, as a manager out there, what are some characteristics that they should think about uh, to extract the best in their uh, subordinates at work? Okay. Well,
0: so I I don't know that I can say that there are a particular set of characteristics of people's non-work lives that lead to or, or that a manager could identify. But what I'll say is this both my research and then broadly research that addresses the work Life or work non work interface. there There's some pretty clear themes that come from that research. So, Of course, it's very easy for people to think about the challenges, especially working parents and even right now in today's world working parents in the age of COVID-19 where many people are working at home and they have young children at home, uh, it's very easy for us to think of the challenges that people encounter. and, And we don't want to diminish those at all. But what we know is that challenge is not the only story. And so within the body of research on work family and work life issues, you have these two dimensions or or these two outcomes, enrichment or depletion. And so depletion is what many people assume. They assume that, oh, if you have significant responsibilities outside of work, significant commitments outside of work, whether it's children or something else that you're involved in, then there's necessarily going to be a depletion story. It's automatically a subtraction story. What you have outside of work takes away from your contributions to work. But what we see in research is that there is also a very clear enrichment story. So we see that people gain skills from the roles that they engage in outside of work, that they can actually transfer into the workplace, that help them be better leaders, help them be better managers. We see that people can get psychological benefits such as confidence, or they just come back to work recharged uh, and and having more energy and and being able to really contribute because of the positive effects of what they're engaging in outside of work. So, one of the takeaways that I would share with any manager is, you know, don't assume that there's necessarily a depletion story. Let's acknowledge the fact that there's also an enrichment story. and, And what we see, if we think about it mathematically in research, is that what we Often see is a net positive. So again, I'm not I'm not in Disneyland and in, in a fairy tale land. I recognize <laughs> that it can you know there can be challenges, and uh, but what we can often see is that there's a net positive. So that the positives of enrichment can outweigh the negatives of depletion, and so the approach a, a smart approach for organizations to take is to think about how can we. Manage employees, how can we think about the policies that we have in place so that we can get the benefits of enrichment, get the synergies between the employees' work and non work lives, get those skills, get that enrichment that comes from their their family activities uh, and and focus on that rather than just thinking about the fact that there 's this interference or there 's this negative impact that we need to to manage. And there are a number of ways that that people's lives outside of work benefit them. One of which is, aside from the general enrichment fact, but one of them is this idea of recovery. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: That when you are engaged in work, you are expending energy, you're using a set of skills, you're using cognitive uh, resources, and, what, and there's a really interesting body of research in industrial organizational psychology on recovery. And that's the idea that when you step away from work or you step away from a given task and you engage in something that's totally different, you, you totally detach from one task, you engage in something that requires a different set of skills, that requires you to think completely differently, that draws on a completely different set of resources. And again, this could be a hobby. This this could be something like playing an instrument. This could be something like playing in a a soccer league, uh, you know, outside of work or whatever, is drawing on a completely different set of resources that that actually is incredibly beneficial. And then allowing you, once you return to the task, once you return to the first task, you now have a renewed set of resources that you can deploy in that task. And, and so again, thinking about ways to encourage people to, uh, to engage in activities that can allow for recovery and engagement, Oh, overwhelmingly we see positive effects of people having something that they enjoy, something that they engage in outside of work.
1: Okay, so that is very uh, important and timely given that um, Almost every uh, workforce in the world is is actually uh, transitioning to work from home and and again you you have to balance between multiple uh, demands that you have uh, as a parent as as a as a, um, um, as a uh, what I would say is like more functioning in that society there are so many different things that you have to do to the society and yet also contribute back to work so so Tracy, I want to in mean, particular go to your uh, work on um, uh, the whole idea of childless workers. I know you've done some work in that specific topic, and there are some very interesting and intuitive, non-intuitive findings here. Tell us more about that, those findings here.
0: Sure, absolutely. I'd love to. So when work family research started in the, I, I would say probably it really started gaining momentum in the 80s. It really focused on working parents and how can we help working parents. But society has changed a lot. And we have people delaying marriage. We have people having children at later ages. And so the workforce has more and more people who are single and childless. And there's a term called the ideal worker. Mm -hmm. And this term was coined by a legal scholar named Joan Williams. And the idea was that if we look at the way organizations are managed, if we look at the way work is managed, it's kind of organized with this expectation that there is a worker who has no responsibilities other than work, that they can be available last minute, that they can fully give themselves to work with no concern for responsibilities outside of work. So that's the the idea of the ideal worker. And originally when this term was first coined and when, again, this was coined by a legal scholar who was looking at disparities in people's work experiences and work advancement. The idea was that the ideal worker was a man who had a wife at home who did not work for pay, right? So we're not gonna say that they're not working because if they're (laughs) raising children and managing the household, they are working. They're just not getting paid. They just don't have a salary for it right? And this was the ideal worker. And this person was ideal, again, because somebody was taking care of of non-work life. So they could work full steam ahead. They can give it all to the organization. Well, once women started entering the workforce, that ideal worker became more and more of a myth. (laughs) Because even if you, one, it's a myth for women who come into the workplace and, and have children. But it's also you know, pretty much a fantasy for many men as we have more and more dual earner couples. Mm-hmm. So men don't have that stay at home life either. So, so none of these people are, are ideal workers. And then more recently with the advent of more and more single childless people in the workplace, there's kind of been this notion that, okay, well maybe this is the ideal worker now because surely they have nothing to do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they can they can work all day and all night and on the weekend, and we can make them travel to go meet with clients at the, at the drop of a dime. Right? And so these are some assumptions and, and trends that, that we see uh, and that we see in some research. And so what we wanted to do in, in the research paper that you're addressing is we really just wanted to look at some of these assumptions that we have, because there are there's lots of evidence that companies do in fact make some unfortunate assumptions about what people can do in the workplace based on their family structure. Mm -hmm. So we said, hey, let's just take a look at it. And in particular, we wanted to look at single childless workers as a comparison group and we wanted to highlight them. So of course they're not, we don't just have single childless people in the study, we compare to other family structures, but we wanted that to be our focal group because it's a group that's generally been ignored by work family research. And so again, the assumptions are, okay, these people have nothing to do outside of work. (laughs) Um, And, and so there's this tension Mm -hmm. between whether single childless workers are in fact ideal, they can totally focus at work, or is there something else going on with them? And so that was the question we sought to answer. And so one of the, Things that we wanted to look at was okay, what exactly are people doing outside of work, right? Because we make assumptions about how family structure affects work because of our expectations about what people are doing after work. Mm-hmm. So we had uh, two groups of people. Uh, one group, they were employees at a, at a university. And then we followed up and did the same study with another group of people that we got from a survey panel. And we just surveyed them on a daily basis. In in the morning at the beginning of their work day, we just asked them to list for us up to five activities that they were anticipating that they had to do after work. And then at the end of the day, towards the end of their work day, we asked them about their focus and concentration at work. Mm -hmm. And so, because part of what we see in assumptions is that we're expecting family structure is gonna shape people's ability to really fully be there, to fully be present at work. And, you know, the idea that if you have responsibilities outside of work, then that's gonna take away from your ability to focus and fully engage when you're at work, right? So that was one of the assumptions we wanted to look at. So people could list up to five activities and then we also asked them to, you know, categorize these activities. So long story short, we did not find that single childless people reported any fewer activities than people with other types of family structures. Mm -hmm. So the number of things that people were listing that they had to do outside of work were the same. But what we did see was we saw differences in the types and the the proportions, Mm -hmm. I would say, of the types of things that people were listing. So people who had children and spouses were unsurprisingly more likely to list something that was domestic related mm-hmm. so they were more likely to say oh, you know well okay after work i gotta pick up the kids and you know i'm gonna be you know doing laundry and cooking dinner or, or so they were more likely to list mm-hmm. those types of domestic activities relative to uh, there, were, there were five categories so we had people list Activities and then they had to select from a drop down list. They had to categorize what that activity was we let them categorize it for us with with some descriptions. So the other categories were personal development and wellness. So this would be someone, let's say, who's, you know, in an MBA program after work and so they're they're taking classes or it could be I'm going to You know, to exercise uh, again Mm -hmm. to help improve my wellness. So that was another category uh, in addition to the domestic category. Uh, It could have been pure leisure. So, you know, I've got a hot date after work or I'm going to a basketball game. I'm going for drinks uh, with friends. And then there was also community involvement. So maybe I'm going to volunteer or, you know, I sing in my church choir or, Mm -hmm. you know, something that's that's about a community, a collective and so what we found is that the single childless people were reporting greater proportions of these other categories. So, you know, most people would say, "Oh, well, single childless people. I bet they're leisure category. They reported more of that than anybody." And in fact, they did have more of a proportion of leisure activities, but they also had more of the other activities. So they were more likely to list that they engaged in some type of personal development. They were taking some type of class. And again, these differences were all even when controlling for age, because some people might say, well, single childless people, if they're younger, yeah, they're in school yeah. more, or they're doing these other things, but we did control for age. So... Just in general, we didn't see that single childless people don't have anything to do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They've got plenty to do. They're not doing anything less than just just the proportions of what they're doing are not the same.
1: And I was going to ask you my next obvious question that I'm sure you're going to ask is, how are they doing at work?
0: Yes, absolutely. So our, our focus on this particular study was, in fact, focus. What was the concentration? So our our dependent measure was absorption at work, which is which is a subcomponent of of the construct work engagement. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this was really about your psychological presence when when we're talking about and, and even the original measure of engagement. And I know engagement is one of those buzzwords mm-hmm. that's really popular. But but the original measure by Bill Kahn in the, in the nineties really was all about psychological presence. So Mm -hmm. we all know that you can be physically present at work and your mind is somewhere else. And and when we have people doing complex knowledge work, we want them to be focused. Mm -hmm. We want them to concentrate. We want them to be fully present psychologically, mentally, cognitively in their work. And so this was our dependent measure for this particular study. We did find, right? And so there are are a lot of different angles to come out with our findings. We did find that people who had families were reporting overall the highest absorption at work. And what we wanted to see, however, is we wanted to see, okay, but what explains this? And so we already know that this wasn't explained simply by having more to do outside of work because they didn't have more to do yeah. outside of work. Uh, and we took lots of different measures when we asked people about what they were doing. So we asked about the, what's the earliest time of your first obligation after work because that could potentially affect it, uh, affect your focus. Because one, one common explanation. Is an efficiency explanation. Like Mm -hmm. when you know you have to pick up your kids from daycare at 530, you are incredibly efficient and that is why you're focused at work. And uh, we and we acknowledge that explanation because that explanation has been established in some other work. But what we we wanted to get at something a little bit different. We and Mm -hmm. we did measure that. But what we found is really this distinction between the types of activities. And there seemed to be something specifically about domestic responsibilities, basically going home to housework. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There seemed to be something about this particular activity that was driving the effects. So in other words, what was explaining the difference between single childless people and people who had children or spouses was the presence of domestic responsibilities. And so what, what we think and what we, what we examine in a follow-up study is that really is this idea of keeping you in this work mindset, mm-hmm. right? And that basically if you're at work and you're anticipating going home to do more work it's slightly different, a different type of work, but it's still work, right? You you kind of stay in this work mindset and that work mindset, it doesn't distract you from the current work you're doing, it's just more work. So it's this continuous line of work mindset. I'm doing work now and I'm about gonna go home and do some more work. And what we saw with single childless people, or, or in general, not just single childless people, because Again, all groups of people were listing different activities. It's just the proportion of the different activities were different based on Mm -hmm. your family structure. So what we saw is that if you were anticipating leisure activities, oh, some, you know, my my colleagues and I, we've got tickets to the big game. Mm -hmm. or we're gonna go to a concert or we're going out for drinks, then that seemed to be pulling people's attention away from work. So when people were listing that they were anticipating these purely leisure activities, then there was lower absorption at work. But again, when we did the full mediation analysis and we entered the different variables in the mediation analysis to see which one Mm -hmm. really is explaining the difference, it wasn't the presence of leisure that was explaining the difference between single-childless people and the parents it was the presence of the domestic responsibilities that was right. driving statistically uh, the right. relationship and again we think it's because it, it just kind of kept them in this work mindset and i think it's important to note that we saw a similar a similar pattern of effects mm-hmm. for the other categories of activities but not all of them reached the same level of statistical significance. So for instance, as I mentioned earlier, single childless people reported more volunteer activities and they reported more uh, personal development and wellness, things like taking classes. Those types of activities also had this positive effect on absorption at work. So it really was just the the expectation of leisure activities. I'm gonna go after work and party. (laughs) It was that expectation that was associated with this lower uh, absorption at work.
1: Yeah, and, and, that, and I think, I think it, it does add, as you mentioned, Tracy, again, the, the whole idea of the other components where um, personal development versus community service and domestic, You, I mean, there is lesser distraction about what's going to happen after work uh, from the standpoint of at work compared to the other one where I'm going to go to a game or I'm going to have yeah. drinks with somebody you are already developing interest. And, and and so it does explain what you just said in terms of how a person might perceive the other part of work as yes. they are doing the other work, right? So it does explain what you were just saying. So I know, yeah, Tracy, we're running out of time. So uh, yeah. a couple of points here. This is fascinating for me to listen and, and appreciate because I'm sure a lot of working moms, working dads right now are gonna be thrilled by hearing your story. that mm-hmm. That allows them to be better actually by thinking about what they can do at home uh, to actually help them be productive at them. So, uh, if you think about it from a from a standpoint of um, what's the better way? If, so, do you do you recommend, based on these conclusions, like do you recommend a, a workforce uh, should not be should be heterogeneous? Like in terms of okay, it should have equal parts. There are some pluses and minuses of having uh, an employee, or do you think that doesn't matter at all? Like a, a workforce can just be default because I think that that could be having some interesting implications for how people can hire. Mean
0: that. Yeah, so so absolutely. So I think the takeaway is not that we want to just fill the workforce with one type of worker, mm-hmm. okay? um, because there, there are benefits that, that different groups of workers can bring to the table. And I, the, for me, the takeaway from this work is that there is value in people having commitments mm-hmm. outside of the workforce outside of the workplace because when we just to dive just a tiny bit back in, into the data when we ask people questions about these different activities part of what we ask them for for each and every activity we listed we asked them is this an optional activity or is it something that you can't opt out of you know mm-hmm. so you, you you pick up your kids <laughs> from from school or you can't opt out of that you can opt out a drink with friends um, so we asked them that we also asked them about how goal-directed the activity was. So in other words, leisure is not Mm goal-directed. Leisure is simply about enjoyment, pleasure. It's intrinsically motivating. A goal-directed activity is we are actually engaging in this to accomplish something. So we are volunteering at Habitat for Humanity, and the goal is to complete building a house, right? Mm -hmm. So a goal-directed activity. These these factors, these questions really also help to explain because we, we had all these effects, right? And we really wanted to dig deeper and, and to come up with, you know, so to, to borrow your tagline, to come up with a better way of explaining these effects mm-hmm. than what we often assume. And so the effect for the domestic responsibilities was driven by the way people were responding to, this is something, this is actually a commitment. It is something that I can't opt out of. That was strongly statistically related to more absorption at work. When people said this is a goal-directed activity, so we're engaging in it, thinking about what we're going to accomplish, that was strongly positively related to absorption at work. So for me, the takeaway is not identifying what are people's demographics, but encouraging everybody, whatever their demographics are, hey- This organization values you and we want you to be a whole person Mm -hmm. and whole people hopefully have something in their lives other than work Mm -hmm. and we support you in that. Mm -hmm. And when we look at the way many single childless people have been responding to policies in the organization, one of the challenges for them is feeling as if their, their way of life the, the activities that they engage in are not recognized or supported by the organization. So mm-hmm. you, you can't have a leave to go volunteer. You can only have a leave for, for family responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? But, but when people don't have those family responsibilities, they still may very well be engaging or want to engage in activities that, that again, are goal-directed, that are commitments, not just leisure, not just partying, And we know these contribute to focus at work, but have our policies caught up with that? And I have a paper that originally was part of this paper, but you know how the publication process is. (laughs) So so it got got spun off to another paper and it was explicitly about policies that people have access to. And so, so the punchline was that when single childless people had access to more progressive policies that don't make a distinction between parental leave and again, a leave, let's say, to travel to you know, an overseas mission or mm-hmm. to do some type of, of, of work, volunteer work or some type of project. What we saw was that single childless people really benefited and we saw that benefit in their engagement and work, in their commitment to the organization. So, again, I would say encourage your people to step away from work.
1: Correct. Yeah. And, and then Ironically, have a purpose, yeah. It
0: allows them to come back focused and, and recharged, and, and it brings positive, positive benefits, positive resources to their participation in the workplace.
1: That is a great way to end this podcast, actually, yeah. to say, okay, you've got to meet your workforce where they uh, encourage them to think beyond work encourage them to have goals in their life and support these goals, right? So I think that's the way to have a healthier workforce. So this has been really, really good, Tracy. I really, really want to thank you for taking some time and talk to me about uh, your wonderful research. I look forward to talking to you about the second research about policies very soon, as soon yeah. as it gets out. So uh, congratulations on all the great things that you do here, thanks so much.
0: Thank you very much, thanks for having me.
1: We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. For more episodes or information about executive education program offerings, please visit fisher.osu.edu.